Welcome to another Continuing Conversations, where we talk everything Star Trek Adventures and Captain's Log, of course, now. I'm Michael Dismuke. <laughs> I am one of the writers, freelance writers for Star Trek Adventures um, RPG, in addition to being a blogger on Continuing Conversations, which is still holding its rank as the number one fan site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. And of course, it's my pleasure and honor to have with me tonight, as usual, Jim Johnson. Hey everybody, Jim Johnson. I'm the project manager and line editor for the Star Trek Adventures RPG and the Captain's Log RPG solo RPG uh, published by Midifus Entertainment. Love these many years and uh, super excited to be on the show here tonight with Michael uh, co-hosting this thing for still got plenty of stuff to talk about. So 91 episodes, 91 episodes. In. 91. All right, cool. Wow. <laughs> yeah, move, can, still going strong. We're working toward uh, number 100. We'll try to come up with something cool to do for that no idea what that's going to be yet but uh, we'll come up with something i'm sure <laughs> well once you guys hit 100 then like syndication is a lock at that point and then you yeah, get the right. syndication <laughs> residuals I'll, just, uh, I'll sit back and wait for those residuals to roll in right michael exactly yeah just like wham did the first two years of their albums yeah <laughs> are, 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 we, are we wham or are we milli vanilli i don't know <laughs> Ouch. they got paid the same so it doesn't make a difference it depends on how much post-production you do right. i i, I want to i i of course oh no i can't say that about either of those are never mind i'm going into a dark place i'm gonna shut up let's move on <laughs> The cat, most of the cast of uh, Starship Tempest, and uh, looking forward to talking to you all again tonight. And uh, why don't we start with introductions here? I'm sorry. Oh yeah, I mean, I'm just I, I can jump in. Uh, I, thought, I thought I thought I thought I heard something. Uh, my apologies, uh, Brian. Why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Yeah, I, I'm Brian. I'm the the GM and the kind of the head writer, whatnot of uh, Starship Tempest. Uh, so I kind of run the whole crazy show, I guess. <laughs> And uh, Travis, uh, I am Travis. I am. I play Lieutenant Nick Holden or Lieutenant Commander Nick Holden on the show. Mm -hmm. And Matt, uh, I'm Matt. I play Commander Conrad Smythe on the show. Awesome. And Ryan, I am Ryan Sheely. I play Captain Maddox uh, for Starship Tempest. I'm also the lead sound designer for the show. All right. For, for those of you who don't, I listen to the podcast. It's amazing the the engineering on it. It's quite an entertaining take on Star Trek Adventures, and you can always look back in our archives, and you will see that we had them on a few months ago. Uh, we're missing Tara tonight; she's feeling under the weather. Um, but it's a five crew group of friends and the last interview get went to their background and how they started tempest um and so we consider them super fans and super artists um involved <laughs> with the show so we're so happy you're back with us tonight happy well, thanks to for having us yeah yeah and tonight we're dealing with a very controversial subject possibly i don't know it could be <laughs> controversial and we've never dealt with this before jim and this was really about comparing and talking about star trek adventures and Dungeons and Dragons. Why do you think this is a pretty good subject for us to go on tonight, Jim? <laughs> Boy, put me on the I'm spot. Put, I'm totally putting it on you because I'll be honest, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons my entire life. Can you believe that? All the yeah, RPGs and, I've played. And, and I didn't pick this topic. So yeah, but thanks for putting me on the spot here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think 
it's challenging because like the 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 general the general advice when you're doing a tabletop rpg is uh you know don't spend time comparing your rpg to dungeons and dragons is more important to talk about your game for what your game is and what it stands for and what's important about that game because if you just say i mean it's the same thing with fiction writing right if you're spending all your time comparing your fiction writing to stephen king then inevitably the reader's gonna be like well then why don't i just go read stephen king all right like i'm not thinking about your book anymore i'm thinking about stephen king now and now i'm gonna go read a stephen king book and you've lost that reader right so it, it, it's always been tricky to uh to talk about the game star trek adventures with with gamers because like i, I mean obviously the eight thousand pound gorilla in the room is dungeons and dragons because it's been around forever everybody knows that it's the it's the one of the most straightforward on ramps into the hobby right i mean that's just where it is now because it's been around so long and uh, it's its own thing right it's its own kind of zeitgeist and like there's dungeons and dragons and then there's like literally everything else in the industry uh so it's it's hard to really truly compare them but i think because so many people see as their as their entry level game you know into the into the hobby um you got to give them some sort of baseline to to say okay what how does star trek adventures compare to it is it is it um you know some similar mechanics is it as easy to play et cetera, et cetera. um so it's it's worth talking about i think but i just want to be cautious that we're not we're not trying to compare the two or this isn't a you know a a, a, a measuring contest to say which one's better or whatever because that's completely subjective right uh, it, they're, yeah. they're very very different games right uh, where it came up subject matters yeah i think where it came up was because of the controversy last year with the open game license and so people were flocking away from yeah. uh dungeons and dragons and so what happened is people were like well what are my options so i think this is more or less of a versus and more of a what other options are there out there for players yeah. ryan can you yeah can you elaborate on that i don't know what you're referring to ah okay so for years it had it so someone could produce a dungeons and dragons game using the rule set um and make money off it they did kickstarters and oh. stuff like that later on a large company which i will mention because i don't get paid by them hasbro took over um dungeons and dragons and so they did what big companies do like ones that yeah. start with d and ones that start with a and they started saying if you make a certain amount of money you can't produce and so that ch they changed our open game license agreement which created quite a bit of whiplash in the industry <clears throat> and sure. had some people you know as people do say i'll never play again and so they started looking for other games and and star trek adventures was one of the games that some people started trickling into that's right very interesting thank you yeah yeah i mean it was very much a um one of those situations where the the big corporate brands tries to kind of screw down the you know the yeah. ability to make money off of the prop of off of the property right and so there was give, given kind of dnd's longer term history of being kind of more open in grassroots a lot of people were up in arms about the changes that the big corporate overlord was trying to institute and i don't I actually they, remember how that all like i think they backed off look, I think they, they did they yeah, did think, okay i think they were just like uh never mind okay so, I think that they revised the license and I'm, I I only know this from listening to Eric Campbell's that, that was my news source because he's really tuned into things like this. And I think they made it that if you make over $50,000 a year, then you have to report it. And that puts you into some sort of share agreement. I think no one quote me on that, sure. <clears throat> but they, they decided Which would to put you in like the 0.01% of, yeah. you know, anybody that that could potentially mm -hmm. apply to. So, yeah. 
Yeah. So I have to ask the group here, how many people here have played Dungeons and Dragons out of this group? Uh, so I think Matt has done the most of us. I think we all yeah. have to varying degrees, um, but Matt probably the most and maybe Ryan or myself the least. I have okay. played exactly once uh, because my uh, nephew is a big fan of our show and he started, because of that, started getting into role-playing. And so he launched his own Dungeons and Dragons campaign just to include Tara and myself when we were visiting him in Arizona. And so it was, that was my one introduction into, (laughs) into Dungeons and Dragons. And my, my older, my oldest nephew, who at the time was 17 also played and he was chaotic evil and nobody could get anything done. So there's always one of them. them. So uh, maybe we can go in alphabetical order then Uh, let's go in alphabetical order. And, and what would entice somebody who is, a longtime gamer, you know, with D and D, to come over to something like Star Trek Adventures. What would those nuances be? Maybe we go in and include yourself in it, Jim, in this alphabetical order. Um, I guess that's me then. <laughs> um, uh-huh. <laughs> uh Right, B. Um, <laughs> yes, your I, name I, starts with a B. Correct. <laughs> 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 I think. Um, I think it's. I think what's so interesting about Star Trek as a role-playing game medium is the aspect of just tougher dramatic questions and not, you know, dramatic questions and situations and like the philosophical dilemma or ethical dilemmas, that sort of, those sort of storytelling tropes um, that are not necessarily quite so clear cut as they are in kind of more traditional high fantasy, right? So like Lord of the Rings is, you know, Sauron is evil and take the evil evil. thing to the evil place and to get rid of the evil. Right. It's very, very straightforward. Whereas, you know, Star Trek, at least in its, it's better moments can be, or in its more complex moments can be like, well, what is the right thing to do in this situation? Let's do two evils, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, And so I think what is really enticing to me about role-playing games in general is the storytelling aspect and being able to like, create these situations and then subject my friends to them of <laughs> of these these tough questions and like which which path forward is really the you know the best best or the right path um and there's i i just feel like star trek as, as given its history given you know given the the you know the ground it has grown up out of over the past 50 plus years is is really kind of geared uh toward towards that in a way that like certainly there's the potential in D for that um but it's not quite as like baked into the you know the skeleton as it is with star trek yeah makes sound star trek sound a little bit more reflective of real life like how do you know what evil is just off first impressions right yeah yeah evil doesn't always look like an orc so. <laughs> right exactly <laughs> all right matt what about you um, yeah, no. Um, so to me, the real pull of Star Trek Avengers versus D&D is that it's. Oh, and I went out of alphabetical order. I'm such an idiot. Okay. <laughs> we, we didn't we didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> me, learned it, me learned it real good. And me yeah. right for Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. Thanks, Jim, for job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Um, but no, the, the pull of it is, is compared to D and D D and D is very much like, uh, you go here, you fight these things, 
you roll the dice. If the dice say you hit them, you hit them, and the, yay, everyone's happy. 99% of the time, that's kind of D&D. Star Trek Adventures is much, much more story and character driven at its core. You know, baked into, like Brian was saying, baked into Star Trek Adventures is, yeah, you roll dice to do stuff, but you can always talk your way around stuff. You know, if you can figure out some <laughs> yeah. ridiculous techno babble way to do something, yeah, you do it. <laughs> you know, it's it's yeah. just like in the show, and it's 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 less about fighting your way to the end of something, and much more about solving the solving the problem, not by just hitting things with something sharp. Yeah, most creative of the solutions. Time. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it is that. Sometimes, <laughs> but with some gushers. Yeah. Yeah, but, <laughs> just like but, in the star trek episode sometimes the solution is to pull out your phaser and start shooting but you know. exactly yeah yeah but someone but said like, the other day i forget jim i don't know if it's one in one of our shows but they were saying that out of like all the modules like 90 percent of the time they never even had to fire a phaser or something i don't know if you remember that conversation but someone said that in in years yeah. of playing they never had to or, or rarely ever had to do that out of all these modules mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah so that's mine yeah kind of let's go back let's go back to jim (laughs) (laughs) so if i remember your question michael it was why why would somebody switch from d or go from dnd to try out star trek adventures and that that, i mean that's such a hard question to answer right because it's so subjective uh, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> only, yeah. only speaking from my experience, and like I could spend half an hour here just caveating this to to the end of to the end of time to say like like I played I have played a lot of D anD D in my time. Um, I really liked Fourth Edition. Uh, I seem to be an outlier on that. I know a lot of people on the internet, the internet zeitgeist hated Fourth Edition for whatever reason. But I, it's the game that got me back into role playing games. You know, ten, fifteen years ago, whatever, because it was so fun and it was so different, and uh, just the way the flavor text was set up and the powers were set up, it, it gave my players and I an opportunity to actually put some role playing into the combat. Because I think with the we discovered that as we were playing the game, like we'd be doing great role playing. Uh, when we were outside of combat, right, we'd be doing the you know the skill checks and we'd get into the role playing and we'd be doing really cool stuff. But like the moment we would get into a combat encounter, like all of our brains immediately switched <laughs> to tactical board game mode, and the miniatures came out, and the maps came out, and the and the and the and the tiles came out, and all of a sudden, all the role playing completely went away, and we were just like, okay, here's what my character is doing, and now I've got to wait 20 minutes to find out what the next character is doing, and it just came, it turned into this very step by step bashing away at things knocking down the hp and then and then inevitably because like character or or i guess player mentality that we would ever like run away from a fight or like like just you know knock somebody unconscious it was like no we're gonna kill every single thing on this board because the game master put it there and, and then as soon as that combat was done we would all, all of us, we, we, you know, we take a quick snack break or something, but we'd immediately switch back into role-playing mode. And for the longest time, it really confused me. It's like, why are we playing two completely different games with the same characters? And it just, it just, it was really cognitively messing me up. And then, you know, hmm. you know then we moved on to other things. But uh, I think, um, you know, if, if there are players out there 
who are, who have been playing that kind of game and maybe they just don't they just don't know that there are other games out there you know maybe they happen to like star trek and they want to try something different and say oh well there's a star trek dnd because i've heard it called that plenty of times right dnd <laughs> is so commonplace now that it's almost become like the kleenex of the rpg industry where you know yeah. you don't reach for a tissue you reach for a kleenex and now you're playing dnd and now there's a star trek dnd and there's a marvel dnd and there's you know whatever <laughs> you know vampire dnd uh, so, you know, for good or ill, Wizards of the Coast, that's what you've got is you've got a, <laughs> a, a brand name that is synonymous with the hobby, right? I don't know if that's good or ill, but, you know. Oh, now you gave me a personal goal where people in the future say they they have a they have a D&D that's like Star Trek Adventures. That Now, now you've <laughs> you've now just set a bar for me. Um, I'd rather I'd rather just I would rather they just play Star Trek, right? <laughs> uh, but anyway, so um you know, I guess what I would turn the question or my answer around a little bit and say, look, if you want, if you play D&D and you've enjoyed it, but you're ready to try something different, like almost 180 degrees different than than D&D, check out Star Trek, especially if you've watched a few episodes, you're familiar with the series, you're familiar with the franchise, you have a sense of what Star Trek is and what it's about. It's about, you know, characters working together doing dramatic stuff in a television format because it's, you know, television. So it's it's scenes, it's encounters, it's it's beats, it's snappy dialogue, it's it's getting into the into the flow of storytelling, collaborative storytelling, uh, in, in a way that the mechanics can completely get out of your way. And you can spend entire sessions not even touching the dice. And I know a lot of gamers don't like that, right? Because you want to get together with friends, have the knock some dice down on the table, and that's totally fine, right? But I think there other games can do things differently and i think star trek especially especially with the pandemic and and seeing how many people play this thing online uh i mean this i know we've talked about it a lot michael where this is this could almost be like your own radio drama every week or every session or every time you get together for the starship tempest crew it is exactly yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's that's very much the kind of way at least that i i approach it is you know i'm always trying to like I just, how can I tell the best Star Trek, how can I make the best episode of Star Trek that I can personally make? Um, And then how, and then how can I set them up so that they can ruin it in a funny way? (laughs) (laughs) And then if I I was going to be, I'll I'll finish up just by saying, you know, if I was going to be a little, I would say that, uh, you know, D&D, even in its core, right, is still a, a very, late 70s early 80s kind of game right it's got it's mm-hmm. got that kind of structure to it and uh star trek now no, no by our uh, star trek adventures is not necessarily you know the cutting edge modern game but it's much more narrative it's much more uh loose in terms of uh, combat it's, it's it's more zones it's more abstract in a lot of respects uh so it's just it just depends on what you want to play really uh, I hate to punt on that, <laughs> Michael. But it's just, no, I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't expect you. I, I'm, tr- yeah, I'm trying. I want, I want people to know what to expect. Ryan, what about you? What's your? Well, again, I have such a, a limited experience with Dungeons and Dragons that um, this truly Star Trek Adventures is my first foray into role playing, um, and that is largely Brian's fault. But also, if <laughs> well, I was well, role to role playing game wise, you're, you're correct. Our actor. Yes, that's 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 fair. Um, But if I had never played Star Trek Adventures and somebody said, oh, we are you should you need to start playing, need to pick up a role playing game. You need to do this. And I would go into the to a store and I would automatically be drawn to Star Trek Adventures just because of the Chevron, like because that's where my love is, Mm -hmm. is Star Trek. I prefer Star Trek over fantasy and I don't know much about Dungeons and Dragons to begin with. 
I would certainly recognize the name, kind of like we've all hinted at. It's the Kleenex of of role playing games, but um, it is. It, I would have gone to Star Trek Adventures. I think naturally, um, having played the one time, I just prefer the more um, cerebral approach and the way that you can talk your way, kind of like Matt was saying, techno babble your way out of a situation as long as you can put enough credence behind your argument and make a logical enough case on uh, uh for the point that you're making uh and the gm will be like yeah actually i didn't think about that but that's awesome let's do that uh and i don't i'm not sure how much of that happens in dungeons and dragons because i played so little but that is certainly something that is definitely appealing and to, to jim's point there are times when we're editing uh, we have one of our edit tracks is just roll sound effects and there are episodes that go like our almost our entire mission has absolutely no rolling whatsoever. It's entirely character-driven, discussion-based dialogue and characters. It's so I, I firmly I put that in the win column for Star Trek Adventures because I think any time that you can have a really good, immersive, creative storytelling technique that doesn't require you to you know uh, to to need to rely on the game mechanics to to for it to be successful i think is to me that's 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 a home run that's that's a win right there got it and travis what's your experience been um so i've done much more i've done more things than not dnd um i think i've done two short things with dnd &E, and then i've done a couple in fate and exalted a homebrew here and there and now and way more in star trek adventures just because of the longevity of the amount that we have played here um i would go even more basic in terms of the reason for it uh particularly when it comes to the idea of going from DD to star trek adventures i think the really simple answer is for me fantasy is not really my jam um i like like i like the lords of the rings movies but fantasy is not my jam so i'm not super attached to them that particular setting is just not something that connects with me personally but D&D is the 900-pound grill in the room. So if you want to get into tabletop role-playing, your chances of finding a game are way better if you're doing D&D. More people know it and can show you how to do it. It's easier to get a group together. This has changed a bit, maybe in the last decade, right? Since a lot of stuff has moved online in a way that it hadn't before and more, game, more independent games and new games have come out and flourished. Um, but up until more recently in history, if you wanted to try it, D&D was probably the one that was going to get you into it. And if fantasy is not really a jam, you may be like, this is kind of fun, but you know, I'm not, I'm not really into fighting ogres and I don't want to be a barbarian. Um, and there's just now so many choices out there that the setting is just something. It's something as basic as I like science fiction. And so even if I had started in D and D or if someone started in D and D and has done a couple games and they got a kick out of it, but didn't really connect super hard, but they really love science fiction. Now there are options. Star Trek Adventures, if you happen to be in that type of science fiction, there's, you know, cyberpunk stuff going on. There's steampunk stuff going on. There's, you know, ghost stuff happening. So moving to Star Trek Adventures for me is just a matter of like, maybe D&D is the way you got you started simply because it was the easiest on-ramp to get into the hobby. But if you just like Star Trek, if you just like science fiction as a genre a little more, now there are options out there. And this is just a really good one that I happen to really like. That's like, it's an easy way to go. Okay, I've done this. I like it. But how about this Star Trek-y one? That's cool. And just the setting wise is a good way to jump over. If it's just a thing you like more. There are now options for you. Yes. And all those settings you mentioned, all those kind of variations, wouldn't you all agree? I want your take. Can't you play all that in a Star Trek Adventures game? 
fantasy. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Like one of the, one of the great <laughs> things about Star Trek as a, as a franchise, and I think you know it shares this with you know other things like Doctor Who, is that it first of all the franchise is so vast and expansive, but any installment can basically be any genre. And if you look through the history of the Star Trek Star Trek as a franchise, you've got like horror and courtroom drama and farce and you know uh just period pieces period action. pieces yeah you can and, and straight up like diehard style action and you, you can you can take essentially any genre and, and couch it into the world of whatever you know of star trek or doctor who or whatever it is uh and i think it's again it's something that you can do in the, in the world of D, but it there's something about science fiction that i think just makes that more uh accessible or doable or, or practical yeah especially uh, like you like we talked about about it being a genre jumping type of franchise the i mean that's exactly one of the limits that the writers of the original star trek worked with it's like well what do we have access to today we have access to make a nazi nazi memorabilia or nazi <laughs> costumes because that's yeah. in that's in the studio right now so we'll 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 pen a nazi episode we'll pen a a civil war we'll have abraham lincoln show up for no damn reason on this show <laughs> and um so yeah it's it, it, it's perfectly that was a really good point michael that it is just it's just rife to to explore all those genres i was i was gonna say maybe not the ghosts because they don't do supernatural but then i remember we have beverly's candle ghost <laughs> and we're covered so. <laughs> yeah. i mean there's there's an episode of voyager that's literally called the haunting of deck 12 right yeah, so true. yeah you know and there's all kinds of ghosts in the machine episodes oh absolutely mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about it because let's talk about how people could. I always like giving tools people can use. And Jim, you know, you've talked about this. That's why I asked that question about how Star Trek encapsulates all these genres. If you wanted to bring over your group and say, they, ah, I want to do Star Trek Adventures, what would your tips be to say, bring over a fantasy group into Star Trek Adventures? How could you entice them? What kind of games? I've seen some modules out there that are really good matches for it, but what would you all do to construct that? I love my questions when they end in deep silence. I can dive in. Uh, holodeck episode. <laughs> yeah. Always just put them in a yeah. holodeck episode where there's something more akin to what they're used to or interested in, and then sort of weave it into into that. I mean, that's that's the way they get away get away with it a whole bunch of times in like. And you know, it's always a situation where they can't just turn it off. Like the holodeck right? is the most dangerous technology other than data <laughs> on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah, if you want to have a B movie episode, like go for it. Yeah. And you can like, you can eat just freeform it with your group. Right. And so if you're trying to entice your group and maybe they're a little hesitant, you can say, well, what, what do you guys, what have you guys always wanted to try premise setting, whatever wise uh, that we've never had a chance to do pitch it. And then, yeah, you can, you can basically build that into a holodeck premise uh, or an alien world. Or an alien world, or the shore leaf planet from the original series. Um, one thing I do, because you know, it is, it is a classic trope of Star Trek that oh, the holodeck has gone crazy, and now we can't turn it off without killing it. Blah blah blah. I will say the one, the one time that I think Star Trek uh, subverts or averts that trope and still has a really good like episode with real stakes to it built around it is the one in deep space nine where uh it's like julian's friend has written him this casino program for him but his friend put this easter egg in it where they triggered it and so 
basically in order to not lose their saved game progress they have to solve the easter egg that julian's friend programmed into it like yeah that's that to me is the one example of a star trek holodeck episode done well with real stakes that wasn't oh the safety's broke for some reason yeah, i can come up with more i can come up with that, so? and, well i want to say first and that was cool that they brought the james bond genre into that too which was great so proving example, that you could, yeah you can yeah. bring a spy exactly. into that but I, the one with voyager when the herogens took over the holodeck and created the world war ii scenario that was and That's they true. made the whole ship into a holodeck that was brilliant to yeah. me that was a, one of my favorite holodeck episodes <laughs> and so you, they were fighting in world war ii oh i love yeah. voyager one but that <laughs> but I, that episode actually had me scared because harry kim was on his own remember everybody else was in the holodeck and that was where oh, harry kim actually had a chance to shine for once which not for once yeah. but i know to get promoted though <laughs> for for two or three times <laughs> <laughs> so I, I almost wonder i, I like I, i'm hearing it like an undertone of uh like you know you're a game master and you're kind of sick to death of running D D all the time and you want to get your group to try something different just once <laughs> like how do you how do you do it and yeah. i think star trek i mean star trek just by its very nature of being by and large episodic uh really lends itself well to one shots or like Agreed. really short two to three session games I mean, or you can even do like a cinematic like we're going to do two sessions like a movie and you know for you know part one part two um or something like that so it, it's almost a good way to um to test the waters with your group to say like let, let's try something like i, I, I we've done dnd for because we're talking about dnd we, we've done dnd for however long let's try like, like i need a i need as a game master i need a mental break i need to i need mm -hmm. to change up my my creative juices try something a little different will you folks please at least play one other game with me once <laughs> and we'll go back to your D&D, you know thing um and so like i mean specifically with star trek adventures i mean we've got hundreds of uh of uh, standalone adventures mission briefs stories mini campaigns whatever i mean there's no shortage of story out there that you can uh, that you can take advantage of. Plus, you know, uh, Fossa, Decipher, uh, Last Unicorn Games. There's there's hundreds and hundreds of of pre-made modules slash mission briefs slash plot hooks, whatever you want to call it, that you don't necessarily need to put a whole lot of prep time and effort into into dropping something on the table and then running with it, right? So so maybe you know, uh, Star Trek Adventures does have an advantage in that we are seven years old now seven plus years we got a ton of material that you can just drop on your game table and and give people to try we have you know plenty of pre-gen characters um so it's not a huge lift honestly to to at least try the game out with your group and see what it what it is um and, and you know it's also an opportunity to scratch a different itch like we've been all been talking about how you know D, &D is by and large very very much fantasy like we're very much low fantasy although you can you know turn that dial a little bit you can bring in spell jammer and bring in some science fiction into your DD. you can do dark sun and do a little bit of uh kind of like uh you know uh post-apocalyptic uh uh almost horror to some extent so there's a lot of wiggle room in there but if you want to really do something different and go from fantasy to science fiction uh, by and large you know give it give it a try i have a question too because we sometimes i don't know uh you know brian ryan matt Travis, if you've heard us do our riff episodes before, but since I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, would it be possible to take your current Dungeons and Dragons story, completely everything that's happened, and that's maybe one of the first planets the Star Trek crew arrives at to interact with? Oh, my, my brain went to the idea of like a GM who's chaotic evil and just in the middle of the session goes, and one of the NPCs says, Arch, 
<laughs> all the players get super mad wait wait no but hold on let's stop for a second here uh, oh i'm coming up with the module jim what what if there's a module that says it starts with arch and then you find out that everybody was so consumed into this program that they're kind of waking up out of it and that's the design of the module but they're they're waking up into a crisis so so I um for for the for our original missions I'll write them up as modules and they're you know like a, a reward for our patrons and in the process of writing one of them for our one of our first season missions I came up with this idea that I now would love to actually do but it would require this sort of like D and D lead in aspect so the the mission the premise is there's this big arc ship that's floating out in space and then the, the star trek crew comes and investigates and inside it's like that episode of the orville where there's you know there's a society inside but they've forgotten that they live inside a giant spaceship and it's kind of like a medieval society but constructed within this habitat uh and in in the module that i i created like there's a memory erasing machine that the people think they they have to sacrifice somebody to every day right so they periodically are like erasing people's memories in this society as a result. Uh, and so when I was writing the module for it, I had this idea of like, what if you started a campaign with a group that thought it was playing like a traditional <laughs> D&D world, uh, but they're actually in this arc ship and they're actually a, a Starfleet crew, but they've had their memories erased. And so they grad gradually they're like, wait a second, this this fantasy world doesn't make sense and it only it only seems to go up to there and then it ends and what's yeah. you know i i i never that thought had never occurred to me until i was writing up the module and now it's like ever since having done that it's stuck in my it's head and now. i'm yeah. dying to to scratch that itch exactly do yeah. truman show the tabletop rpg <laughs> essentially <laughs> yeah yeah and there's so many star trek I, actually again i'm gonna say star trek's already done it with crossover comics transformers mm -hmm. x-men han solo uh, doctor who they've crossed over and done these kind of things before so again star trek kind of batman they even had a crossover with batman yeah it, They've done this already. Comics are weird, man. I know. <laughs> I, I love it. I love They're it. They're wild. <laughs> well, because well, well, that's why we all grew up like who would win, Hulk versus Superman. That's that's it's that it's our personality. So Star Trek versus X Men, you know. Um, but I, I again, I'm looking for solutions to help people. I, I'm always like, try something once. If you never try something once, give yeah. it a try, right? And um, just curious how how people would take to that. Yeah, I I, I would say. Um, because one of our, <laughs> we were determined to get this show up and running when we first started. But Brian, you were a first-time GM, correct? Correct. And we had no less than three first-time play, role-playing participants uh, under under the first-time GM's direction. So, like, I feel like uh, it would be best if some if the GM was somebody who was experienced in it, in, because when we first got out the gates, it, we stumbled so hard and so fast. <laughs> That we ended up aborting our mission after like an hour because it just we couldn't. We're like, we got to study. We we have to go put some some think into this a little bit. So I think having some having the lead be a little bit more experienced in Star Trek Adventures would be would be ideal. Um, but if you're if you're if you're a, a seasoned GM for Dungeons and Dragons, I imagine you could pick up Star Trek Adventures really quickly. Yeah, I think I think paring down, especially if you're just trying, let's say, a one shot or something paring down the complexity of it 
uh, we always we joke on the show regularly about uh, sh- ship combat and how it's super complicated. And that's because the first couple times we did it, we didn't know what we were doing and it was a mess. Um, so now we have sheets made out, so it's a little easier for us. But Star Trek Adventures has a lot of different avenues. There's a lot of a lot of moving parts depending on the the actions that you're taking. And I feel like if you're trying to get someone new into it, making sure that the mission that you're running is very straightforward, not necessarily straightforward, but very like you're not trying to have them utilize every aspect of Star Trek Adventures, the game in their first time doing it. Um, You can probably be more complicated the the more experienced your players are and the more experienced the GM is. Um, But if it's someone who is new to it or has only played D&D before and has never tried, what's the, the terminology for the the taking the lowest number versus the highest number oh uh i don't know what the golf, terminology is the golf like thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, that's not the technical your part. task roll your ta- your ta- yeah. Your, yeah like you're trying to roll low instead of roll high and so yeah. like if 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 you're if you've only played a couple if you only play a little D and maybe D isn't really you know grabbing your attention but you might be interested in star trek and you're like well, let's try this making sure you're kind of picking something where you only have to learn a handful of the mechanics at a time to give it a shot to see how you're to see how you enjoy sort of the flavor of it because i think the selling point particularly of star trek adventures is the flavor is the tone is the like we've talked about the collaborative storytelling Mm -hmm. outside of just you know getting in a big battle and shooting fireballs at people so target number yeah (laughs) target number yes um but yeah so introducing it in a way that's like okay you get into it and you see what this what this world is about what this like how this sort of collaborative storytelling is being built within it is a really like, I think it's a really great hook. And so getting people into it is, is great. And I think that's the way to do it is to sort of simplify out. Okay. Well, we're only going to be on the ships. So as long as you understand kind of how ship combat's going to work, we can go explore and do sensor scans and talk over the comms and that'll be it. Or if they don't want to do that, okay, we're going to have one away mission and we're not going to do both type of thing. Um, I think that's a really good way of introducing people to the system that they don't have to try and learn all the different parts of it at once. For those of you who played it here, is Star Trek Adventures really a more, any more or less complicated than d and I mean, when I see D&D from afar, you know, when I'm watching people play it at a game store, there's 22 different types of dice and there's these <laughs> extensive spreadsheet with the minus this under this condition plus this. So is it, or is it just different? Is it more complicated or just? I think, I think- it's... I I think it's more that the it's it's less of a branch system if that makes sense, right? So like, yeah, there's less in, flow chart. Like, yeah, in D and D, I feel like there's a very the flow chart is very kind of straightforward in terms of like, yeah, there's there's lots of plus ones and plus minuses, but those go, you know, they branch pretty clearly. Where I think Star Trek Adventures has pieces that their relationship is a little bit more maybe either complex or not quite as self evident right at first. All that being said, however, I will say that like the very core mechanics of Star Trek Adventures, I think, are very straightforward. And then one one of the things I like about the rules of Star Trek Adventures is that you can take those pieces of complexity and add them in as you're comfortable. Right. So like really to play Star Star Trek Adventures, all you really, really need is like the basics of rolling a task and momentum. And that's you can get by with just those two things. Yep. Uh, and then you can add in pieces of the other, all, all the other aspects as you feel comfortable doing so. Even if you take three years to realize you're doing momentum <laughs> completely backwards. <laughs> no, not that bad, but pretty close. <laughs> close yeah. Matt, were you going to say something about, about it? 
Um, yeah, pretty much what Brian said. Oh, yeah. So he stole yeah. my thunder yet again, yeah. Brian. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> so I did. Uh, so I've done, like I said, a couple different. Uh, ones. No, now um, Travis is stealing Matt's thunder. <laughs> <laughs> Were you going to keep going, Matt? No, go ahead. <laughs> I think he's being sincere, but we're never fully sure. <laughs> we just don't know anymore. <laughs> um, I did a a home. A friend of mine created a homebrew version of Exalted, where we were doing roles. Where like we were in the, when we would start a battle, we would I would be rolling like twenty seven dice at once. So it's like we had like ten dice, and it was like roll ten, and then count them up, and then roll the next ten, and then count them up, and then roll more because of just sort of the way some of those systems work. Um, so, I, so like my experience has never been that those systems are super complicated as long as you were able to just keep track of the numbers. And it's just a matter of sort of following the numbers on those fronts, whereas Star Trek Adventures was always like, a, how do we handle crews on our ship? How are we handling, like, what can we do? Because again, it's not like, it's not super rigid in the sense of these are your spells and that's what you can do. And now it's like, well, what can you make up? And what techno babble can you make up to do something that maybe has never been done before in two years of playing this game? Uh, sure, if you can come up with a reason and a way that makes sense within the world, go for it. And there might be some of that flexibility in in D and D that I just haven't experienced personally. Uh, I haven't, like I said, I've only played I think like one or two games. Um, so it's possible that that's there, and I just haven't experienced it personally. But that was something that I've noticed between that i the same thing was like with the fate system when i played fate it was very open-ended and like if you can come up with something try it and that was just not my experience and like the, the couple of times i played D was these are what you can do pick what those you're going to do and then you can still role play and have adventures with that but it was still a little more like guided in that way i think i think D is more accessible for a person that's never played an rpg before i think just because it's a I mean, they've had what fifty years to Refine really it. get things streamlined down and perfectly simple. And you roll your you roll your d twenty and you add whatever modifier is listed on your sheet. That's that's what you get. And if it beats the number that the GM says, then you do the thing, and that's it. You know, and you have here's my list of things I can do, and that's all I can do. Well, like Travis is saying, with, with Star Trek Inventions, you can do anything that you can possibly imagine that could that could work. You know, you don't have to say, oh, I have a phaser, so I'm going to shoot the guy. I'm going to shoot the other phasers. Like, no, I have, what, what have I seen them do on Star Trek? I have a phaser. Yeah. I can, I'm going to set that thing to overload. I'm going to put yeah. it down. I'm going to run away. That's cool. It's almost, it's almost like, <laughs> so. it's almost like uh, Star Trek's famous courtroom dramas play out every single time where you, the player, are building your case against the GM to say, yeah. I want to do this in this scenario. <laughs> this is why I think I can do it. These are all the reasons in this scenario why this is mm -hmm. works. What do you say, GM? And the GM has the power to say, yeah, that's awesome. Or no, go, go, you know, <laughs> go bark up a tree. <laughs> So, also, or uh, they can roll on the new probability matrix uh, available ooh, from Captain's Log <laughs> and use that to determine how probable it is. <laughs> well, you oh. see, Mike, I I would, but I don't have a personal copy. But if somehow that were to change, I would think of you know maybe I'd definitely. It's really hard. You type cool. in modifius.com. Oh, <laughs> we are guests here, Brian. <laughs> but Tara is not here to tell me to be on my best behavior. <laughs> no, that's Jim, you've been wanting to see some say something. I've seen you unmute three times. 
I, we I talk can't a get a word in edgewise. Um, no, it's uh, um, I was going to I was going to mention, I, I think most of you have covered it already, but uh, I almost wonder if. Um, so, I mean, like D&D, like uh, I think, Matt, you were the most recent one who said it does what they do really, really well. Right. They've they've gotten into a science now where it's like, OK, here's how you here's task resolution and here's your skill list. Right plus thing plus this and there's your skill well you know it's this was this it's very um organized and very um you know now admittedly like i haven't played much fifth edition so no it's more flexible than that sure great i i don't know because i haven't played it uh but maybe so maybe it's more flexible than what i think it is but what i remember is that it was like your character sheet lays it all out for you you know these skills use intelligence these skills use strength these skills use dexterity so on and so forth you're done it's all there on your character sheet you don't really have to think about it right and i don't mean to say that in a bad way it's like it's there on your sheet you roll the dice you look at the number you're done right and then so so if i was going to caution somebody to say okay you're you're coming from D and you're going to try a star trek adventures be aware that star trek adventures is so much more flexible right so if you're attempting a task it it could be it could be control plus command depending on your character it could be daring plus command or it could be daring plus security i mean you got you got six attributes you got six disciplines you can mix and match them however you want and in fact with a recent rule in that we an optional rule we put in the player's guide you could roll two attributes instead of an attribute and a <laughs> discipline right so really oh. so super flexible and i think and, and plus you you add on the flexibility of a character's values and a character's focuses right those are all like pretty much just whatever you can imagine, whatever you can make up. Like like, like Matt, yeah. you were saying, literally anything you can imagine, you can do in Star Trek Adventures. And I think in a weird way, that's almost a barrier to some people because either they just don't know the genre or they don't know the franchise and they're not that, they don't yeah. have that creative um or you know not not to be harsh but you know some some gamers are more creative than others and that's okay um but like I, just having been on social media for this game for seven years now it's fascinating to me how much a lot of gamers really want the stratified here's what i need to do yeah. here's here's what i need to do to accomplish yeah. this thing Here, and they, here's and like they, i i have options a b and c and right. the the game is picking the correct one of a b and c yeah right. really it's almost like D D is giving you very specific tools yeah right and Star Trek Adventures is just pushing the toolbox at you and saying, go build whatever the heck you want to build. Here's all the tools. <laughs> and, and players are like, but I got too many tools. <laughs> what do I, what do, well, I do? That, that actually makes me think of an additional thing that might be might be tied to why you might want to try Star Trek Adventures. It ties in the idea of you mentioned not knowing what to do if you're not familiar with the IP. But there is sort of a benefit for the people who do like Star Trek, right? Like when you're trying to come up with something to do, if you are a Star Trek nerd and you've watched a bunch of Star Trek, you you've sort of gotten the benefit the same way like someone who's played D&D a bunch knows what they could be doing without having to check every time. Someone who's watched a ton of Star Trek playing Star Trek Adventures, you've seen a bunch of scenarios play out in the show in various shows, various iterations, various genres like we've talked about. So you have a little bit of sort of built in experience about what you might want to try that you may not have if you're trying some other game that's a setting that you've never like even seen before yeah um so that's just one of those things where it's like it feels so grand because there's so many different things you could do but for someone who's watched a bunch of star trek at least you maybe have a little more of a sense it's almost like sort of a built-in experience that you that you wouldn't normally have trying a new game 
Uh, you know, which, I wish which a I, lot of games you don't get that with. So I, w- I wish Tara was here to speak to this point tonight because she um, one of her biggest anxieties coming to join our, our show was compared to Matt and Brian and Travis and myself. She has less intimate Star Trek knowledge at her disposal. She's not a, she's not, you know, a memory alpha encyclopedia like like most of us are. Um, so she was very hesitant to participate because she didn't feel like she could be in character uh, to the same extent that the rest of us are, um, which A, was incorrect she, for her. She's the best person for being here. <laughs> but, B, but B, also, she has so many other um, skill sets and, and, and fan base. Uh, she has, she, she's interested in so many other fandoms, including m- mysteries. And so she's got a very, she's very quick to, on her feet to to solve a mystery. And in in a couple of mystery episodes that Brian's put forward in our Star Trek Adventures uh, campaign, she's been the one that like, it's like, stop talking Star Trek. Like this is this, like, I know what this is. I know how to do this. And I think that because of the freedom, I don't know if that, if, again, I haven't played d I don't know if that freedom will be available to somebody um, in, D- in a D&D campaign versus Star Trek Adventures, but certainly in our Star Trek Adventures campaign, she had the freedom to, be, to think creatively outside the Star Trek box and outside the rule book to come up with solutions to, to help save the day for us, which she's done on a couple of occasions. So it's, that's really, really interesting. Yeah, it sounds to me like it's really knowing your players and building the game. If you want to entice them over to Star Trek, have them try it. Building a game that meets their needs. Where at first, like, this is Star Trek. Oh, but wait a second. I'm solving a murder mystery? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that's basically, it's that, those are the two big blank spots in the equation, right? It's like, are you coming to it because you're coming from the D&D world and you want to try a different role-playing game system? Or are you coming to it because one or several of your players or your group are Star Trek fans and wants to to try to bring a Star a the experience of watching Star Trek into the experience of playing or interact or role playing Star Trek, right? So like I think depending on which one of those is the case for the particular group in question, it that that goes a long way in in guiding how kind of you take the rest of the process. Yeah, I think that's that might be a matter of, um, like you said, knowing your players and knowing their tendencies and knowing what kind of stories they like to tell. Like, like what what kind of things excite them when they're playing D anD D? Are they really getting into like the political drama of the kingdom that they're invading or that they're being invaded by or something? Or are they more into the heists? Or are they more into um, mm-hmm. you know just like are they doing? Are they really enjoying like the uh, the hex crawl exploration and like discovering new stuff gradually and just like going through the open sandbox and like discovering new stuff. Like maybe, maybe they're not playing forgotten realms or ever on there. Maybe they're just doing like a, like the GM has come up with a homebrew setting or something and they're just going to kind of discover it as they go. Like a uh-huh. Star Trek, because it's been around for so long and we have so many series and so many uh, books and comic books and video games like and, and we've already talked about you can do literally anything like you could very uh, like a game master who is familiar with track could probably very easily make a custom tailor-made campaign or mini campaign for their group and port them over from D into star trek and it still hit all the still hit all the marks right mm-hmm. but just using a different game system um, I, I, I would love to hear about uh, people who've done that, right? <laughs> Just to say, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, my 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 D and D players, they really like, uh, you know, political political intrigue and political drama. It's like, okay, yeah, well, yeah. maybe 
you know, Deal there's the plenty ones. of episodes that plenty of episodes that touch on that. I mean, look at a lot of the Picard episodes with, uh, or not Picard, the series, but with Picard, uh, especially with the Klingon Empire. I mean, some of those were so Shakespearean in uh, in mm-hmm. tone, right? You could just drop right all that into the political intrigue and uh, and have fun with it. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, if you look back at the Kirk episode, the Kirk episode, the TOS episodes, they were straight in medieval times. They were totally <laughs> having completely medieval battles. Even I, I think the one with Kirk, it was funny because I've been watching them. And the one where Kirk had to fight that big thug thing, ah, you know, he's protecting the woman. And then like two episodes later, Menagerie, it's the exact same building being used for, for you know, it's like, it's like, oh, yeah. you could totally do that. Um, a question too about <clears throat> the feel people get between the two games. We've talked about this sometimes on this show and I've been noticing, uh, you know, from all the different RPGs I've done before and then coming into Star Trek that when people are walking away from the games, they're getting a different feeling and that could maybe entice some people to bridge over to a Star Trek episode because of its hopeful, uh, the structure of hope in the future. What do you all have to say about that? Maybe if GMs are listening in and say, okay, we've talked about this and the mechanics and blah, 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 and the type of story. But I think there's also something about what you walk away with from the game table generally when you're playing a Star Trek game, not talking Klingon war campaign. I'm talking, <laughs> not if you're playing Klingons, you probably do get the D&D experience. But what about for the normal Starfleet crew? How does that differ between uh, a D&D game? Yeah, well, I think, I mean, I think that can be, I think that's can be analogous or basically equivalent to, you know, if you think about the feeling you get when you come off of watching a one genre of movie or, or TV show, right? So if you, you know, somebody walking out of the D&D movie, the one that just came out a few months ago is going to have a, you know, if that movie did its job, I think it, that was a good movie, Um, you know, they're going to come out with a certain feeling, right? And they're, but somebody coming out of, you know, uh, finishing watching the drumhead episode of TNG, right, is going to have a different feeling. And that doesn't mean that either of them didn't succeed at what they were trying to do. It means that they were trying to do different things, right? And so, you know, depending on the kind of story you're telling, it's that's ultimately it's about, you know, did did you kind of fulfill the promise of the story you set out to tell in the first place, right? And so that that can be whatever. It can be the very kind of straightforward, feel-good adventure of, you know, the good guys won the day and they found the the loot and they beat the bad guys and you come out feeling, you know, kind of pumped up at that. Or it could be, you know, something that might be a little more heavier or nuanced or complex where you're sure, you know, maybe you're coming out of it. You're like, I'm not sure how I feel about how all of that went down. Or I just, or you watched the mist from 2007, I think (laughs) the other day. And like, that's a movie that definitely makes you feel things in the ending that are not great things to feel, but (laughs) (laughs) it sets out to make you feel a certain way. And it, it succeeds succeeds, at that. Uh, even though it's not necessarily a good feeling that it's trying to engender in you, right? So it's, I think, I think at least in that regard, it's it's a pretty straightforward. Like, what kind of story are you trying to tell? What kind of feeling are you trying to, um, you know, stir up in the person? You know, in, in a movie or TV show, it's like it's in the audience member, it's whoever's watching it. But in a role playing game, it's the players who are at your table. Like, what kind of feeling are you trying to stir up? in your players is it that adventure indiana jones 
we beat the bad guys and found the treasure or is is it something you know something else um and then then the question is just can you actually pull it off or not yeah i would say that the i have felt every emotion walking away from our campaign over over the last couple of years i felt exuberation i felt defeat I felt that Travis actually didn't like me, Ryan, the person anymore because our <laughs> characters got it like started headbutting each other a little bit. Um, and 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 it, particularly like that, anymore. yeah, that's <laughs> that's fair. That night, like particularly, um, I was like, "Wow, this this game is really good because it <laughs> it it engendered in me." I was feeling my character long after we we stopped playing, and that was like. Wow, I did not ex- I did not expect to have that experience when I first when Brian first said, "Hey, why don't we do the Star Trek role playing game?" I was like, "Sure, it sounds fun." I didn't expect to feel my character beyond the 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 limits of the game itself, and that I don't know if that ha- probably happens in D anD. I imagine it does for people who are passionate about it. I don't know, um, but it certainly it certainly succeed. That happened in me, and that that is something that I feel is is a special quality to have in in a game. So I've only so like I said I've only done the the I think two games, I think it's two. Um of D&D. My impression of it and this could be totally wrong, um generally the end of a D&D campaign is either you are successful or you're not successful. Um and like sometimes you're successful but maybe feel a little bad about what you did. <laughs> um <laughs> And th- those tend to be broad buckets of every ending that I've kind of seen play out. It's like you catch up to the big bad, you either beat them or you all die, or you're able to like slip out by the sli- by the skin of your teeth and you made it out and that feels good in its own right. Or you didn't succeed or you got lost and the game just kind of meandered for whatever reason. Whereas it definitely feels like we've had multiple missions that we have played where there's no right answer, right? Like there's like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like there was a way to win or lose the scenario. It feels like it's just an experience that you kind of went through and that informs you as a person informs you as a character. And then you, and that's how you get these sort of like complicated feelings afterwards. And you're like, Mm -hmm. Oh, should I have done this differently? And you go, I don't know if that would have been better or worse, but then you're left wondering how that would have might played out. And like those sorts of things, Maybe that happens in more D and D, more like more complicated scenarios that I just never had a part of or have seen. But that's what it always kind of feels like: is like you either win or you lose, or you maybe feel bad about what you did. Um, and there's all sorts of nuances that happen with characters in between those things. But the sort of broad stroked outline of how that stuff happens, whereas Star Trek Adventures feels very much like you can come in and be like, there was nothing we could do there, so we just <clears throat> did what we could do but you're still second guessing yourself about what you might've done in a way that feels really nuanced and complicated emotionally that I like. Mm-hmm. Sounds to me like Star Trek adventures explores the human condition and maybe <laughs> dungeons and dragons doesn't always do that. Maybe is that kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it obviously depends on the, you know, the story and the storyteller, the GM and the, the people participating, right? Like I firmly believe that you can, that any story premise has whatever potential that, you know, you can imbue with it. Right. So, um, yeah, I think it just comes down to the kind of stories that you're, 
that you want to tell and that your you know your group your your players are willing to to go with you on like that the journey that you're willing to go on um but definitely like star trek star trek as a franchise and star trek adventures as a as a manifestation of that i think just by the subject matter just gets into territory of that can lead to a lot more complicated emotions and feelings and like what travis was saying it was like i don't know that there was a right answer to that and right maybe it was this but if i had done that and then you know really go ahead go ahead ryan no yeah i was just gonna say because that's exactly it because it's 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 i'm I, when i'm doing this with my fingers right now for everybody listening at home i'm pointing <laughs> to every every all the different players that we have on the screen where it's like my inter- my character's interpretation feels differently about that than travis's character did so it was like it, the ambiguity itself led to character drama that then took place between us and and tara's character so it was it's it's that ambiguity that in and of itself leads to positive character development and character changing moments like like inflection points in the relationships of your characters and it's super interesting that that opportunity presents itself because of the moral ambiguities that are presented inherent in star trek i love it yeah i think it's i think it's a matter of like the soil being a different you know fertile in a different way for for those kind of aspects right because again like going back to you know, D&D is kind of built on the tropes of Lord of the Rings and, and that classical high fantasy. And those most of the time, and again, they don't have to, but just by the history of the genre involved, most of the time boil down to, well, the bad guy wants to rule the world and that would be bad. So let's not let's make that not happen versus, you know, the kind of stories that you find in Star Trek and elsewhere. But like that are like, well, this entity creature life form is is encountering some kind of problem and what's the right thing to do like what are its rights and entitlements compared to something you know and the whole just you know competing of the needs of the many outweigh the needs of few do the ends justify the means like just more fertile soil for those kind of uh forces to come at each other in which there isn't really any necessary right answer like because i think you know the uh what one of the great things about the tempest and the characters that these guys have created is is very much that do the ends justify the means uh question right and so travis's character is very much like yeah well ends absolutely justify the means and if we got to do the dark thing every now and then to make it happen then yes and other characters like feel differently and it's the show itself by nature of being a role-playing game being like a collaborative storytelling medium in which it's not just me sitting down and writing everything a to z or any one of us doing everything a to z it's all of us coming together and adding this piece and then adding that piece and adding that piece adding that piece it's you can say this character feels this way and now this other character has an opportunity to rebut that and then you can have a like a real ongoing conversation about those kind of more complex you know, story ideas um, than just the bad guy wants to rule the world and we should stop that. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder, I, I, I've never, I, I'm just wondering, like, do a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons people get together and talk about this level of Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure they do. I'm sure I'm they sure have a podcast. Out there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just well, curious. Matt, 
you Jim, played a sure lot of, oh. oh go ahead jim <clears throat> no i was just saying i'm sure it's group very much group specific i think um uh, only in my limited experience all the D games i've ever played i don't think any of us well maybe one one campaign i think for the most part we didn't really think about the game we didn't really talk about the game outside of the game sessions mm. right mm. It, it wasn't mm. like we, we the, the stories didn't linger the character actions didn't linger and, and that's fine right i mean that's it just depends on what you want out of your game but i think like all of my best role-playing experiences have always come from a star trek game of some sort and i've been playing for 30 odd years right all whether it was a homebrew or one of the one of the established game systems um somehow my players and i and my other gms and whatever it was always like what Michael was saying earlier, you know, exploring the human condition, putting these moral dilemmas together. Sometimes there's not a right answer. Sometimes you just have to pick the best of the worst uh, situation. Like you get two horrible choices and you got to pick the one that's least horrible, but like, how do you do that? Right. Like, like, you know, a million people are going to die if you choose option a and only a hundred thousand people are going to die if you choose option B. Well, I mean, it's still, they both suck. Right. So, mm -hmm. uh, and I think uh, like deep space nine did a great job with a lot of their episodes where you watch the episode and it didn't have the happy ending, like in the original series, it didn't have the, you know, almost laugh track at the very, very end where they all kind of like warp off and they're ready for their next adventure. It's like, Oh, wait a minute. That was like, racism in your face kind of episode <laughs> and there was no happy solution to that it was like wow you really have to reflect yeah. on that and think about it and certainly some game groups are not going to want to go to that level in their games but some might some might be willing to do that um so anyway that being said uh travis i wanted to touch on one thing you were saying and i almost wonder if there's an element of um like what, what kind of reward your group can expect to get out of the game like DD &D has very specific rewards right you're getting loot you're getting you're getting magic items you're getting potions and you're also getting experience points now i don't know i don't know what fifth edition has done to change up like how you improve your character but like all of my experience with DD, &D, it's always been you're you're looking for experience points in order to get to the next level like it's a, it's a very level based very systematic process just like any video game that you know i'm sure most of us have played uh that's the carrot right you're you're level stuff in the game to level up and in in star trek like uh, in star trek adventures i mean sure there's there's um milestones you can reach but but like the if by and large your character doesn't really improve session to session and episode they'll change right that you can change yeah. their attributes you can change their values you can change you can swap out their focuses and their talents so they are going to change as a result of all the things that are happening to them in the game but are they necessarily leveling up not not really and i think some gamers probably look at that and go like well then why would i play what, what's the reward in playing and that's the question I would ask them is like, well, what is the reward in playing? Why, why do you play a game? Why do you play D&D? Is it to level up and, and get that achievement? Or is there something deeper? And I think uh, some folks have discovered that playing Star Trek Adventures, there is a deeper reward possible from playing a game. And uh, I, I was just curious if anyone had a, a perspective on that. I, I've heard little bits and pieces of it around the around the screen, so, so to speak. But any thoughts on uh, on that? Well, I I mean, our group specifically, uh, we're a bunch of storytellers. I mean, they're actors, filmmakers, theater folk. Like we, we just love to tell stories. And so the, the act of sort of telling the story together, I think we would enjoy without putting it into a podcast, but we really love the act of like the sort of collaborative, the collaborative art of creating a story together in this way feels very good and feels very rewarding. Uh, when you, when we've talked about it, like we get experience points sparingly as we play. Um, and they've built up over time. 
but we sort of agreed fairly early on that it wasn't interesting for us to even spend experience points to like bump up an attribute here and there or something to try and get better. The stats are generally pretty good anyway. You have, you know, you don't start with super low numbers that that are tough to succeed. You generally start, you're a pretty competent crew. Um, so we were like, rather than trying to min-max our stats, Brian allows us to spend XP on some items that we may want to try finagling around with and messing around with later, or particularly story beats. If we have something that we were like, oh, this episode, I would have loved to have tried this on this episode. As long as it doesn't necessarily mess with the mission as we played it, as long as it's like, you know, oh, you know, a week later, my character rethought on this and really wanted to send the subspace message that he didn't send before we can spend an experience point and do that. And so it's very much like our reward is the storytelling and the existing within that story and the fun that that creates. Um, And so the act of creation is a big thing for us. Um, And yeah, just once we get into it and get sort of into our characters, um, the same reason I think we all enjoy theater and, and, and filmmaking and all of the different other art creation stuff is it's you put yourself into it and then you, experience the creation of it and that in of itself is fun and then we also now get to edit it up and throw it up with sound effects and put it out for other people to listen to and enjoy and that's its own reward as well in addition to that but just sitting around even if we weren't putting it out there just the collaborative storytelling aspect of the 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 creation of these stories and playing these stories out to see what they do just feels really fun and really good and engaging for me personally and i feel like there's a lot of that within this particular group that, that's probably what I hear 99% of the time as to why people like Star Trek Adventures is because of the storytelling aspect. And I was talking to some friends about this the other day. We live in a time where a creative person, even with limited resources, can still get out there and put their, themselves out on some sort of medium, whether it's TikTok, YouTube, blogs, um, for the purpose of storytelling. And and. I know that um, Jim talks about it and it's a goal he gives us as writers is to include in each book a little bit about how to be a writer. Um, I don't know how many, I don't, I don't know how many other um, RPG books do that where they're like, Hey, since you're playing this game, let's also teach you how to get an end product that you're satisfied with a way to journal and remember your memories, (laughs) you know? So that could be an enticement to, to um, games like Star Trek adventures. Yeah, I definitely think it's about, I mean, like every everything that Travis said in terms of the storytelling. But it's I I definitely think it's about the storytelling. Like if you're if you're if the thing you really derive joy from in a D and D campaign or session is the the tactical squad combat of it, all power to you. You know, everybody everybody has their own joys. But like if that's if if that's your love and you want to go more in that direction, I would say like do Warhammer, right? Try Warhammer or something that is specifically that of like squad tactical tabletop combat. Um, if, if for you, the really interesting thing is the story and the, the, the possibilities that come with different kinds of ways of telling stories, then I think Star Trek as a franchise and Star Trek adventures as the expression of that franchise on the tabletop opens up just pardon the pun but opens up so many new worlds for you to explore you know metaphorically and literally but like in that sense of just there's so because of that flexibility i think jim you used the word flexible earlier because that flexibility in that system in terms of telling a story there's just so much more you can do and 
further you can go in that story aspect of it. Awesome. Yeah. The so for for me, the, it is absolutely the the reward of playing the game is is worth it for me because if there's somebody who's listening to this podcast who's a big Star Trek nerd and has never played an RPG, I'll just say that this is the reward. The reward is for me, I get to play in my favorite sandbox, be an active participant in the story, make critical decisions that affect the course of of our 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 canon, our our local canon for Starship Tempest. And I also don't know where it's going. So it's it's the best of both worlds for for somebody who's a creator. Like Travis said, it was it's perfectly well articulated. Our our group came together in a theater company in college. So we we came together creating things. And so we are as a player and uh, not the GM. Uh, we are actively playing and creating, but we don't know where the story is going. So we're problem solving and finding our way in our favorite sandbox, which is Star Trek, but have both the creative power and the mystery in front of us and it's just a beautiful combination and getting to feel like you're in star trek a little bit right like right that was like there are moments there they happen it's not like every single time we play and every single one of us feels it all the time but there are definitely moments where it's like dude i just feel like i was just a dude on a starship in star trek like even (laughs) even if it's just like like you get into the role and you get into the scenario and it's like oh i have to I have to make this transport happen or or my friend is going to die. And so you're rolling this mm. dice to like try and do this emergency transport thing. And it's, you know, it's, you've seen this a hundred times on the show and then you got to live it. And if you're into the game and you're into the storytelling and you're feeling it, like you get to experience it in a way that you never do watching it on the screen because you're the guy on the screen doing that thing. And that always, especially because you get to be the key characters, right? Like you're not, I was going to say you're not O'Brien, but he becomes a key character in DS9. <laughs> <laughs> no, O'Brien is every every journeyman's yeah. like dream. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you get to be like the captain and do an awesome captain thing and fight a Gorn on alone on a planet, or you get to you know be an ex Section Thirty One officer and do clandestine operation uh, operations. You get to be the doctor who saves the life of a teammate. You know, like all of these things that you watch and you root when you watch them do it. And like if you're really into the game and you let yourself fall into it. That's you. And you don't just watch it happen. You get to feel and do it happen. It's just, it's awesome. It's a great feeling to be like, I'm in Star Trek now. (laughs) Yeah. I think think that's one of the, that's one of the things I've really appreciated about playing Star Trek over the years is that it's like, like just the way it's set up is so accessible because you know, the Federation is a, is a gigantic organization. Starfleet is a gigantic organization. There are hundreds and hundreds of ships out there doing amazing things mission after mission after mission and it's not just about picard it's not just about janeway it's not just about cisco you know like where i think of like you know star wars i remember there there was always a a feeling from a lot of gamers of like well what is there to do in the star wars setting right luke has done all the big stuff you know there's vader and there's you know leia like they've done all the galaxy spanning big stuff like how do you even fit in into that and it's like sure i should i so i get that but like in star trek like your 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 cruise adventures are every bit as valid as anything we've seen on screen. You can go do amazing and incredible things. And uh, if you're inspired by what you see on screen, you know, that week on that episode, go do something even better. Or go do something even more amazing that you're creating with your own group and uh, and will have more meaning to you. So I, I think that's something that I've really appreciated over the years. 
you know, Picard does cool stuff and Janeway does cool stuff, but then like my captain's doing cool stuff too. And like in my brain, because we've collaborative collaboratively created that together, it, it has the the same level of status, right? Or if not, maybe even more so because it's something that we built and made with our own, you know, hands and our minds. Yeah, the story is equal. We just all land in different mediums. Some people are fortunate enough to have got the movie and the TV show deal. <laughs> Some comics, <laughs> we do RPGs. So yeah. I, I want to give Matt kind of the final word as we're getting to our wrap up, because he's the one who has the most experience, it sounds like, with D&D and Star Trek Adventures, and he's been the quietest. So so <laughs> Matt, you get to get the wrap up statement, man. Oh, boy, this is fun. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I guess I'll just say that, you know, I played a lot of D&D. I played a lot of other RPGs, too. but. Um, playing D&D is super fun, especially if you have a good group of people. Finishing a campaign is great. And I've always done, you know, we finish a session or a campaign or a story and yeah, that was cool. That was a really fun time. But I have never in the middle of a D&D campaign or a session, like had to take a step back and go, oh, that's awesome. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where, you know, I mean, Star Trek is my favorite franchise of all time. Um, and Brian does a really good job of every once in a while sprinkling in something that we all know, you know, um, you know, th this random guy, he designed something. Uh, I can't, I don't want to give anything away with the newest episode <laughs> that, that just released, you know, it's the designer of a technology that everybody knows from Star Trek. Uh, the original films, everybody knows this, and no one knows the guy's name that designed it. And we figured it out, like, oh my god, it's the guy, it's the guy that designed it. It's awesome, <laughs> you know. So it's this giant nerd, little little nerd freak out because, like, oh my god, it's the guy that designed this. That's cool. And I honestly don't know if Brian made that guy up wholesale or if that's a legitimate thing he pulled out of memory alpha or or what. But it made me so excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I've never been that excited from from D and D before any other RPG. You know, so that's that's that's, cool. that's what yeah. Star Trek Adventures can do. You know, I think it would be boring if you know every every time we met, uh, oh look, this is you know, you know, um, uh, this is you know, Spock is on your ship now this week, and Sulu's on the ship this week, and you know, it's just that that would get boring. But Brian does a really good job. Just here's a, here's a little guy. Here's a guy. Here's this once and, every know, now and then. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. It well, the universe is limitless. Most other genres yeah. are boxed in and they have boxes right. of their worlds. And again, that's one thing I like about Star Trek is when you when I turn on Strange New Worlds every week, I don't know what genre I'm going to be in for that particular right. week. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the excitement of it is they're taking me places no one's ever gone before, right? That's how we, how we feel about that. All right, we've gone almost an hour and a half. This is amazing. <laughs> I love it every time you all come on. Um, and this is such an interesting subject. I mean, it really came out of left field. I know it was suggested, I think, by Tara, actually. I think she's the one who suggested it initially, um, which is why we put it up here. Um, I'm glad but she wasn't here today. I know. <laughs> <laughs> so Aww. so uh, let's go ahead and do our thank yous. As usual, we have our gratitude moment. You know, I'm mm -hmm. going to go back and I'm actually going to take it back to the old school. And I'm going to go ahead and thank Dave Arneson and Gary Gygax. Even though I've never played Dungeons and Dragons, they definitely <laughs> created a genre which is world changing and for me um i can't imagine growing up if i didn't ever know about rpgs that would have been i mean I, every other gaming system you know i'll play around video games and board games but if that's all i had i'd literally be bored 
B O R E D. Okay. So 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 let's let's give thanks to these artists who created this genre that has really become a tidal wave around the planet. That's my thank you uh, for today. Uh, let's go in alphabetical order, but we'll skip Jim like I did last time. We'll end with Jim because I like him closing out with gratitude. So Brian, why don't you take your gratitude? Sure, I'll throw my gratitude uh, this week at first the Writers Guilds uh, and now the the Screen Actors Guild in Africa. Uh, people who are who are striking. I live in Los Angeles. I, I work in the industry, but I'm not in either of those guilds. But as somebody who would very much like to be in one or both, uh, and knowing how hot it is in Los Angeles at the moment, it's now past 8 p.m. and it's still 80 degrees out. Uh, my gratitude towards all of the people who are are striking and spending many hot hours out on the, the sidewalks in front of all of the studios fighting for fair compensation. You're here. Yeah. All right. Take it to Matt. Oh, um, I guess my little moan of gratitude here will be towards uh, Gene Roddenberry and all the other writers and creators of Star Trek for giving us this incredible world to play in. Because without it, I would be a very sad person, I think. <laughs> <laughs> or you might not know that you're sad, which or is even worse. Sad. Yeah. <laughs> There'd be something missing, something different. You'd, I wouldn't be able to put my finger on it. You'd be doing something stupid like watching football or basketball. Yeah, yeah. It'd be <laughs> terrible. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Um, my uh, gratitude goes out to Tara Jean, who could not be here tonight because she's recovering from a procedure and she's doing much better now. Um, but one thing that she has been fantastic about is supporting uh artists uh, artists on the internet so she will use our starship tempest account to make connections and and contacts with artists whose uh star trek art she greatly appreciates and we greatly appreciate as a as a group to try to get the artist's name out there just a little bit more if we can be just a a, a tiny little uh magnifying glass for for an artist we want to do that and she does an amazing job doing it and I wish she was here tonight and she gives everybody her best. But thank you to Tara and thank you for all those who support the local artists. And always remember to cite the work that you are posting. Here, here. Good job. Travis and Jim. Um, so I think I will say um, gratitude towards uh, the fans, not necessarily of Tempest, though, them especially because, you know, <laughs> we love you all and can't believe you like us. But the fans of all the properties, um, but particularly Star Trek, because it keeps it going, right? Like the, the people who latched on and really loved it and kept it going, even in the darker times when it didn't seem like it was going to keep going. Um, and all of those people that fuel the, the continued creation of that art and that continued thing, um, just without it, you know, it creates a sense of community that wouldn't exist otherwise. And it's this like fan community that just feels so good to be a part of. A lot of the time, sometimes it gets a little toxic, but most of the time uh, it's generally pretty good and it feels very much like a community that feels fun to be a part of. Um, and so thanks to all of them for continuing to be a part of that community and for those that are being great about it, just glad to be a part of it. So, because we were fans first before we made this podcast, so. And we, we were fans in the dark days of like between the end of Enterprise and uh, the J.J. Abrams movie, like. That's when we all like really knew each other for the first time was was oh. those days when there was really no new Star Trek Grasping on the screens. The yeah. 
All right, Jim. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I, 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 this might sound self-serving, but but honestly, seriously, I'm grateful to everybody on Starship Tempest and all of the other streamers and all the fans out there who are sh not not just playing the game, right, but sharing your stories online whether it's uh, twitch or youtube or discord or all the many other venues that are out there the the fact that you love the game and you love the franchise and you're sharing the world is so inspiring for me day in and day out because like i'll just drop in and i'll watch a video middle of the night when i'm when i'm tired of editing a document or something mm -hmm. i'll go i'll go find somebody who's doing something cool with star trek adventures and i'll watch it and be inspired all over again and and know that 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 like i'm putting in these hours because of that because i want you guys to have fun with the stuff we're making and i want other fans to be inspired by what you're doing and and, and do it again right and do it again and, do it, and just and just like just get into the storytelling of this beautiful franchise and um specifically because this episode was about DD &D, right DD &D doesn't need the help right like DD &D has been around for a long long time it's and it, it is be. so established like you know there's plenty of people playing twitches and, and playing the game which is great but like literally every other game in creation right now needs the lift right and, and you know yeah. you, you would think that star trek doesn't but uh you know um it does and like but even the streamers who are playing other games and like the indie games and the itch.io games and uh, um, all the up and coming games, like the, the fact that there are streamers out there who are willing to take the time to, to learn a new game system and not just play it, but also play it and share it with people. That is, the, is that the, is, is like the whole, like you, you said that Star Trek is a family to some extent. And then like the, there's a whole portion of the RPG industry that's got that kind of like very familiar, familial kind of feel like we're all, all what's the saying, um, you know, a rising tide lifts all boats and so we're all kind of supporting each other and we're all you know moving forward together but in you know so in specific for star trek then like I, i'm just grateful for all of you and the stuff that you're doing and, and the fact that you came onto our show to share your experience and then maybe some somebody will watch what you're saying and say oh i'm, I'm inspired i want to go i want to go tell some stories too and use star trek as that uh as that venue whether it's star trek adventures or another game whatever but uh so my gratitude is to all of you thank you for being here Aww. um and then of course to the fans too like the fans who who are maybe either don't have the technical capabilities or are too shy or, or just don't want to share their stories online perfectly fine you don't have you know there's no expectation here <laughs> uh but the fans always <laughs> appreciative of the fans uh for for playing the game for so long for being in the franchise for so long uh great grateful for you every day because obviously be doing this and i'd be finding some other creative itch to scratch but uh grateful that the fans are here and that the fans are still strong and uh and that we can continue to uh make really cool stuff that you can go play with and do amazing things with because like seriously i it's not lip service for me to say that i'm inspired by all of you every day and I'm just, I, Michael, I think I've told you, like, I'm super excited that we just released Captain's Log because that is going to be another way for people to create Star Trek stories and get them out there to share with. Because, like, I am a, I'm a whale reader. Like, I can't stop reading, and I love Star Trek stories, uh, whether it's novels or short stories. Now, now, like, I, I, it's almost self-serving to have done that, to, to <laughs> do these games, because it's like, oh, now you can go create stories, and then I can read them, and I can, it's just, a, it's an endless loop that I'm really excited about. So anyway, thanks fans. Really appreciate it. Right. Uh, so Michael, with that here, this has been a great session. Thanks for a great uh, conversation. Thanks everybody, as always. All right, IDIC. So yeah, IDIC. be safe, be well, <laughs> live long and prosper. We'll talk to you all next time.